Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, Head of Communications at Stiefel, joined by my colleague, Brian Gardner, our Chief Washington Policy Strategist. Hey, Brian. Good afternoon, Neil. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, late March, you know, March Madness winding down, baseball starting up, hockey playoffs on the horizon, the Masters not far away. It's, it's a good time to be alive. Despite what's, all, been going on, yeah, despite what's been going on in the banking industry, it's a good time to be no, alive. That, that is true. In the sports world, and everyone's in first place when in terms of baseball, it's the end of March. So everyone's in first place at the end of March. Um, but, you know, Brian, you mentioned the banking industry and you mentioned sports. And I imagine that today was sort of a little mini Super Bowl for you. I have these visions of you kind of sitting with your feet up and you have the popcorn getting ready to watch these congressional hearings on what happened in the banking industry over the last few weeks and how the um, and, and what the federal response was like. What did you learn from, I guess, day one of these hearings, which was today, the day we're recording? Let's clear something up right away. My feet were not up. All right. Just right. But you did have the popcorn. I may have had popcorn, but my feet were not up. Just so okay. clarify that uh, in case there's any confusion uh, among uh folks in St. Louis. So I, I, yeah, we don't want our boss thinking that you're sitting okay. there with your feet up, but the popcorn, I imagine. So you're there at your desk, all ready to go with all your stuff. No, you, know, you, know, you, you go into a game with preconceived notions, you go into a hearing with preconceived notions. And kind of, I think the, the hearing mostly went as expected and um, maybe even a little more so. Uh, I expected going into it that it was going to be about assigning blame for the failure of Silicon Valley, Signature, Silvergate. I, I should know that Signature and Silvergate almost never came up. It was about Silicon Valley. Um, 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 a little bit about future steps, but mostly backward looking and assigning blames. Um, uh, Michael Barr, who is the Federal Reserve's Vice Chairman for Supervision, um, he's already given a couple of speeches in which he said the Fed is going to conduct a comprehensive review of bank capital requirements and that those prop those requirements probably should be higher. He's been saying this back into December and he repeated that today. Um, and he floated some other changes that that might make um, uh, that, that the regulators might make going forward um, issues regarding total loss absorbing capital requirements, ch changes in the stress tests and reviewing liquidity rules. But what he said kind of confirmed what he's been talking about before. So, Brian, you mentioned some of these um, possible changes that could come. If any of those that you rattled off were, were to come to fruition, would that be applied to all banks or only some banks? Uh, really the biggest banks. Um, so um, Vice Chairman Barr cited um, $100 billion as some kind of threshold. And, and the chairman of the FDIC um, uh, referred to a hundred billion dollars several times as well. And as they have, as the FDIC has done in some previous documents that they put out on, on banking regulation. Um, and that's really this, the floor that's set by a, a, a 2018 law, um, for regulators to impose additional requirements. Um, so banks below that um, are probably not going to be um, as closely affected. There's always the, the the possibility that regulation runs downhill and and affects smaller banks. But the intent is um, uh, the bigger banks and and kind of related to all this and the items that I, I just mentioned 
Uh, the regulators are probably looking at new rules uh, for bank mergers. Um, they've been talking about proposing um, changes in their regulatory regime. And again, $100 billion, that's that's kind of the floor at what they've been, they'd be looking at. So banks above that threshold, banks below that are probably not immediately impacted. What about, uh, was there any talk of lifting deposit insurance? We've heard a lot about that from various angles, but what about in today's um, hearing? So yeah, it's it's been a uh, a hot topic ever since the 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 two banks, Silicon Valley and, and Signature, closed a couple of weeks ago. Um, but there was almost no discussion uh, about deposit insurance today, and th- and that's important. Um, uh, it, it it got mentioned by committee chairman Sherrod Brown early on, but I, I I may have heard one other reference to it the rest of the hearing. Um, so by not raising the issue of deposit insurance at this hearing um, and talking about raising the cap from the current cap of $250,000, I think the committee members kind of signal that deposit insurance, at least for now, is not a high priority for them. Um, you know, I've been skeptical that Congress would increase deposit insurance. And based on today's hearing, I'm, I'm kind of more confident in that view with the caveat as always, um, as the situation in the banking system changes, the political winds can shift. So where we are today um, and looking out for the next month, um, probably nothing. And I, I should also mention too that the FDIC announced that they're going to have a report out um, on deposit insurance on May 1. And it's almost inconceivable for Congress to act before that report comes out. And it'll have several options of what Congress should do um, going forward. Um, but again, even when we get to May 1, I'm uh, based on what we know today, I'm, I'm skeptical that deposit insurance is going to be lifted, raised. Now, you know, we haven't talked about the debt ceiling in a couple of weeks, but you did uh, make an interesting connection in a recent report um, that you publish because you do do other things besides to um, you know come on our podcast um, anything new on the debt ceiling and potentially how it could tie in to, to, to the whole banking crisis so yeah the, the banking situation and the debt ceiling you know have some links um, because the the debt ceiling situation is a cash flow event it's when so Treasury is currently, using these extraordinary measures since we've already breached the debt ceiling. And those measures run out at some point, but it's not based on a date, it's based on cash flows. And in the wake of the recent events, you, you know, it, it's possible that bankers are gonna get more cautious, that could lead to constraints in credit. If that impacts the economy, um, by extension, it, it impacts tax receipts. And thus, it would then also impact the X date that date when Treasury exhausts those extraordinary measures. Now, we're not talking about changing the X date by months. Um, and, that, and again, it's just an estimate because it's cash flows. Um, but it's you know a couple of days, a couple of weeks, possible. Um, and it all depends on how this all flows at, uh, flows through the system. Um, I should you know, th- there were a couple of things going on with the debt ceiling um, prior to the hearing this morning. Um, uh, a couple of key members of, of the House uh, spoke, uh, Patrick McHenry, uh, congressman from North Carolina. He is the chairman of the House Financial Services Committee, and he's a close ally of Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Um, he expressed some pessimism um, about reaching 
uh, a debt ceiling deal um, and acknowledged he hasn't been this pessimistic before. Um, so this is a shift towards pessimism for him. Um, so I, I thought that was notable. Um, and Speaker McCarthy sent a letter to President Biden trying to get the talks between the two of them going again. They, they met uh, back in February. They haven't met since. Um, so, you know, the bottom line is that not much has changed. Um, the tone's not great. Now, there's, there's still time to reach a deal. And I think markets know that. Investors know that. So I don't expect markets to start pricing in debt ceiling headlines, reacting to those headlines. Um, but key players in Congress involved in the process understand that that um, that reaching a debt ceiling deal by that X date is going to be a heavy lift. And, and I, I think at some point, markets are going to start to pay attention um, to their public statements. Um, that's probably after Memorial Day. Um, the, the, the range for the X date, the estimate for the X date has varied. Um, uh, back in January, uh, Secretary Yellen uh, said it wouldn't be before mid-June. Um, Congressional office, uh, budget office has said uh, sometime in the summer, July, August, maybe September, um, but I, I, based on those statements, I think after Memorial Day, markets are going to start to pay very close attention to the debt ceiling situation. Yeah, and I think we've talked before, Brian, about um, historically when we've had these debates before that um, as we get closer to a to a debt ceiling, um, you know, standoff, the markets do pay attention, and, and they have historically become market events quickly. Yep. I mean, the, 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 the most recent and I think the, the best um, comparison is 2011, um, when you had a, uh, a Republican House, a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president, and House Republicans were pushing hard for major concessions. Um, and Speaker Boehner and President Obama were talking. Um, uh, but it, we, we didn't get till after July 4th until the markets reacted and they reacted quickly. The, in, in, yeah. that, in, a, in a four or five week period in July and very early August, uh, the S&P 500 sold off by about 18 percent on, you know, when they finally reached a deal. But it it um, it got a little scary there for a while. And yeah. I, I think that's a that's a good comp for investors to keep in the back of their mind. If, if we go down this ro- that road again, um, and I, I could argue that this is going to be a, a tougher lift than 2011 was. Um, so keep, wow. keep, keep, keep the t- 2011 example in mind. Yeah. And you'll have to keep tuning into the podcast. Absolutely. Well, Brian, um, I really appreciate you taking time out. I know it's been a crazy busy week, especially for you down in Washington. So thanks so much. Thank you, Neil. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back with another episode of Potomac Perspective in a couple of weeks. Take care.